know, it, it's, it's great to have the worship. It's great to get hyped about Jesus and, and to really feel good about who he is and his character, but it doesn't mean anything if we don't live out his word. And that's something that, that we actually have to learn to do and what we're going to talk about a little today. Uh, we're going to talk about a little cuss word that everybody likes to say, or I should say don't say, um, the F word, forgiveness. <laughs> forgiveness is forgiveness is just one of those things where um we like to say we forgive people but at the same time we we like to hold it on for a few months and you know if something else pricks us that's a little deeper than what they did then we like to bring it back up and that's not true forgiveness true forgiveness is something that we have to do every day we have to live in it we have to continue to ask God to help us walk through it and that's something that we're going to look in today at Genesis 22, if everybody would like to turn there. Um, as y'all turn in there, just give y'all some background. Pastor Mani is taking us through calling. And today he started with Abraham and the call of Abraham. And today we're going to be looking at Abraham's sacrifice to God, which was his first son, Isaac. But we're not just going to look at the sacrifice of Abraham because a lot of pastors like to use that as a prosperity doctrine and you know when you sacrifice something you're going to get something from God he's going to bless you you're going to get all the nations you're going to get everything everything's going to be good when you sacrifice the one thing that's closest to you but God spoke to me and he was just like uh we're going to spin this on his head we're going to look at it a different way we're going to look at it through the lens of Isaac the one who was sacrificed and um this was just very interesting I was like God as I'm reading this I don't hear anything Isaac says um but about two scriptures Isaac has planned out, not planned out, but written out in this, uh, in this scripture. But uh, let's start off at Genesis 22 and 2. God's talking to Abraham and he says, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. I think I said that right. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on the one, on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Now, this is very interesting because God is asking him to sacrifice the thing that is closest to him. Now, if we are looking through this through the lens of Isaac, as you continue to read, you see Isaac start to ask some questions. And we'll move down just a little bit into five. I'm sorry. We'll move down to five. Um, it's Abraham, Isaac, and his two servants. And five through eight, he says, stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So they're on this journey, and God's telling them to sacrifice everything. I, I don't think Isaac's getting too much information on what's going on. Um, but they're walking, and... I can just imagine in, in, in Isaac's head, he's, he sees the, the wood, he sees his dad, but he, where's the sacrifice? And they're just walking and he's like, I can just under, like just putting myself in this perspective, I'll be like, all right, dad. Like, and, and he asks this, he's like, all right, we got the wood, I'm carrying the weight, but, where, but where's the sacrifice? And he's like, God's gonna provide the sacrifice, don't worry when we get there. And it's just very interesting because 
not a lot of times we like to think of ourselves as a sacrifice. When you look at it, when, we, when you come to Jesus and he's saying, be in relationship with me, automatically you are his sacrifice. He is betting on you to change the world. He's giving you weight, and that's what he does with Isaac. He gives Isaac the weight. Isaac has to put the burnt, not sorry, the wood on his shoulders as he walks to his own death, basically. And that's what we are doing. We are picking up our cross and walking to our own death. As we move down, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, to nine, sorry. Genesis 22 and 9. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied Isaac, his son Isaac. Immediately, this sticks out to me. There were so many reactions Isaac could have had. Isaac could have fought. Isaac could have ran. Isaac could have asked questions. Isaac could have even killed his dad. But one thing that is very interesting to me is that I can just see Abraham just talking him through it as they're walking up. Son, I'm a man of God. I have a relationship with God. God told me these instructions. I'm going to have to sacrifice you. As he's tying him up, I'm going to have to lay you down on this altar and sacrifice you. This is not because I want to. And I'm going to stop here for a second because a lot of times when people hurt us, we think it's personal. When things happen to us, we think it's personal. Isaac could have immediately thought, dang, my dad doesn't even like me. I'm his only son. Why is he up here trying to kill me? Why is he trying to do this, that, and the third? But this is an instruction from God. Isaac could have fought him. Isaac could have even rebelled. If Isaac would have ran, he would have rebelled from his father. He would have rebelled against what God told him to do. And that's a lot what we do in our life. When, when things happen to us, when God tells them to, as Joe told us the other day, there's some people that have to get thrown off your boat. What if you're one of those people that have to get thrown off? Who's throwing other people off? Sometimes that happens. And we cannot take offense to that because that was an instruction from God. Not because we're bad people, but because some people can't go to the mountaintop that they're going to. And we can't take that offense. We can't hold other people back if we have to make separations, if we have to set boundaries for ourselves. It's not a personal thing. It's just a God thing. And some things we won't understand. God tells us that we see in part. We don't see in whole. There are instructions that he will give you where you just have to let go and just let God. And we just see Isaac laying on this bed, tied up, not scrambling, not fighting, but with a, with a faith of a mustard seed that God's going to take care of this. God is going to take care of this. God has took my father from a land of comfort, as we have learned, to a place that he will never know. And he's going to do some amazing things through him. Surely, surely this is a good plan for me. I may be in the position of death. I may be in a position where my back is against the wall. I may be in a position where God is asking me to throw everything out the way. What if he tells you to throw your job out the way? What if he tells you to leave your whole family and, and don't talk to him for a whole year? What if he tells you... Um, I can't have you working because you're tied to money too much and your heart's there. I need you to let go and trust me and see where your meal's going to come from every single day. Are you going to squirm? Are you going to fight? Because God is Jehovah Jireh. 
Believe it if we if we want to believe it or not, God is Jehovah Jireh. And God can provide and will provide every single thing that you allow him to provide. Jesus. And Abraham's just sitting on this on this plank of wood, just looking at, at God. God, why is this happening? So many things. I'm about to die. I'm I'm just a kid. What what did I do wrong? Is this because of me? Did I do something wrong? Did I say something? Did I did I not show enough love? Did, did I not pray enough? Why are these bad things happening to me, God? It's a lot of questions that we have each and every day. Just because something bad happens to you, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. That doesn't mean you're unholy. That doesn't mean God doesn't have a plan for you. If you if you lose a family member, they weren't unholy. If you lose a friend, they weren't any less loved by God than you are. Things happen. Life happens. But we cannot take offense. We cannot build up barriers because attacks of life happen. Life happens. God never promised a clean path with a clean road, your hands not getting dirty, anything. He actually told you the opposite. I need you to get on your hands and knees, get dirty, fight for one another, link arm in arm in community, and not walk this out alone. You need people in your life. You have to forgive. Because if you don't forgive, your heart will be cold, it will be hard. And chains will be bound upon you. You will not be able to receive love. If you cannot receive forgiveness, you will not be able to extend forgiveness. Jesus. Move down to 13, and it says, Then Abraham looked up and saw the ram caught by his horns in the thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yahweh. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. See, it wasn't until... Abraham was about to go through with it until God provided. When Isaac got off of that plank of wood and they were walking back, I know there was just so many questions going on through his head. Like, what happens now? How does our relationship get mended now? He just tried to, to sacrifice me. Like, what, like what's going on like like we just can't just live normal you just tried to kill me like like there's there's a big question mark here where 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 we stand like is this really my dad like, like some some pretty big questions some pretty pretty big questions and i was just asking god i was like god like there was a part in here where isaac asked his father he was like um you know where's the offering and he says, no, he says, we have the fire in the wood. And it says, the boy said, where's the sheep for the burnt offering? And I was just asking God, I was like, God, why, why did you say the boy? Why did you not say Isaac? Why did you not name him? And there's sometimes in our situations where, you know, we get kind of nervous. We get kind of anxious. Uh, we may have done something that we weren't supposed to, and we react kind of fleshly. And I believe this is what happens uh, in this moment where we just see an example of Isaac responding out of his flesh a little bit. Like, 
He was like, uh, we have the fire and wood, um, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? You know, like, God, like, what's, what's truly going on? Um, and God was just telling me that this wasn't a responsive trust. And a responsive trust comes through forgiveness. They, they are all tied together. I, I don't know if y'all saw my last Devo, um, but I was talking about sacrifice, trust, obedience, and the whole nine. And he was just telling me that this was not a sign of trust. If you can't trust me, then you can't expect to walk in forgiveness. You can't expect to walk in obedience if you don't trust me. You have to allow me to get into those hard situations, soften your heart, and confront those hard situations so you can let them go. And that, that was just a key point that stood out to me. It said the boy said. It didn't say Isaac said. It said the boy said. And when you think about a boy, or what we would call a boy, he's immature. He's young, maybe a little ignorant, maybe a little bit rebellious. And that's what God was trying to highlight in this section. Moving on to Genesis 24. I know I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but some time went by now. And Isaac has now lost his, no, I'm sorry. Isaac has now almost been sacrificed by his father. <laughs> and he lost his mom. In Genesis 24, Isaac is doing the last thing that God told him to do. In the midst of trial, when you lose a family member, when you lose your job, when the side of your car gets ran into, I tell y'all, I'm up here, but I ain't no better than y'all, let me tell you. But when life situations happen and it gets tough and your back is against the wall, what are you going to lean upon? Today, on the way to church, Tony and I were getting in the car, we were leaving, and there was a guy that pulled up on a four-wheeler right in front of us, and I looked at Tony, I was like, Tony, that's the dude who hit my car. <laughs> and immediately, I had a decision. <laughs> I had a decision to make. I could have either given it to God. Or I could have got out the car and said a few choice words about my door. Turn radius. <laughs> but I had two decisions to make. I could either I could have came to church hard, angry, pent up about my car that's going, you know, float away when, when he comes back anyway. Or I could have came in with an open heart, joyous, to see God's children, to see all the beautiful faces, to see what God's doing. I just, man, I, I could have came in, you know, with, with, with a burden, but instead I chose to give it to God. I would have missed out on the joyous moment of, of praise, true worship, because I know that the material things in this world don't mean a thing. I know that it's not about 
the situations, but it's about where he's taking me. If you don't go through anything, you can't take anybody anywhere. So the heart of the situations to get is not to hurt you. It's not to bring you down. It's not to take you away from anything. It's not because you're less, but it's because God wants you to learn something. It's about character building. Forgiveness is all about character building. It's about humbling yourself. I think in the Bible it says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to be in the tents with the enemy. Any day. I'd rather scrub all y'all's feet for Jesus than to be out there with a whole bunch of money, with a cold heart, lonely, not knowing what my next day is going to look like, not knowing if I'll live the next day just to say I'm wealthy, just to say that I have a Lamborghini, just to say I can eat steak and cheese every night. I don't even know this is a meal. <laughs> I don't even know steak and cheese is a meal. <laughs> steak, whatever. Put... <laughs> Put whatever side y'all want in there. I'll put cheese on my steak, I guess. But there you go. But but it's something about humbling yourself and learning that Jesus is your true provider. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In the time you really have to pray and get on your knees and be like, Jesus, I need your help right now. I need your help. My mom has may, say, may have said some disgusting things to me. My best friend might be hating on my back right now. My old pastor may have told me that I would have not amount to anything, that I don't have a place in the church. But in that moment, you have to go to the word and you have to see what Jesus says about you. Because it's not about what another man says. It's not about what you do. It's not about a title. It's not about a position. It's about what the word of God says. It's about what our creator has said about you. That you are precious. That you are his masterpiece. That you are an image bearer. And we cannot accept and live in that if we don't forgive the people who have hurt us. If we hold on to all the hurt, if we hold on to all the curse words, that have been spoken over us, the death that has been spoken over us, we will never be able to accept the light. We will never be able to accept the good news. I'm going to be very transparent right now. If you're sitting in this room and called to this church, hell is going to come knocking at your front door. Point blank period. You're called to some high places. You're called to some tough situations. But the fact that we have Jesus Christ going ahead, behind, and with us should give you the strength to be able to forgive. Putting on the full armor of Christ every single day the breastplate of righteousness, your helmet of salvation, your shoes of peace, the belt of truth, 
And when the enemy comes and they throw whatever they try to throw at you, death, loss, you put up that shield of faith that God has built up within you. And you say, Jesus, protect me. And lastly, but definitely not least, you hold up your sword and you slice the head off the enemy with the sword of the word. There's a difference between forgiving and fighting in the spirit and being fleshly and fighting with the flesh. There's a big notion right now, especially in the melanated community, where you have to put up a front and you have to look your enemy in the eye, square them up and beat them down. But little do we know that there's an enemy standing right behind them, speaking death in their ear, trying to get you to fight your brother, trying to get you to tear down your sister, trying to get you to tear down your family. This is not a flesh-flesh war. We have to forgive. We forgive because we love each other. Loving is not an option. Loving is a commandment. We must love. We must live in grace, in peace. We need each other. As we continue to hit this altar and pray and seek God's face for the direction that he wants to take us, we have to submit. And submission comes behind two people. First, Jesus Christ. And then secondly, the pastor who has given the authority over the flock. Just like me, just like everybody in this room, pastors are human. They may offend you. They may hurt you. It is never personal. Let it go. Especially in this church, I can faithfully, boldly, and 100% tell you the truth that they love you. Every single individual that you encounter in this church has nothing but love for you. It is not meant to hurt you. It is only meant to build you up stronger in Christ. If you have an issue or if you've been offended, don't run before you have a conversation with them. Because running and hiding and holding on to that pentful hurtness only allows you to hear what your flesh wants to hear. You don't see the other side of what they were trying to do. May have not been right, may have not been wrong. But we're human. We mess up. We may fumble over our words. We may not say it in the most loving way. But the intent behind it was Jesus. 
the spirit of God reigns in this building. More importantly, the spirit of God reigns in all of our pastors, in all of our leaders. Have that conversation with them. If you're feeling alone, no one tries to single you out here. No one overlooks you. We try our dead level best to reach every single individual that walks in this building. Every single time, no matter if you've been here for 15, 6, or 3 months. 15 years, sorry, (laughs) clarify that. 15 years, 3 years, or if this is your first day. Every single person that sits in these seats, that walks through those doors, that even comes to use the bathroom, if that happens, matters. Suffering is coming. Trials are coming. The enemy is not clever. It's going to be the same issue that has come since you were a kid. To live a life of freedom little advertisement. Go through freedom. Go through freedom, the small group of freedom. Go through it. But to live in freedom, you have to learn to forgive. That was my favorite part of, of freedom, the small group. Learning to forgive. And it's not easy. It will never be easy. It will never be fun. But the fruits that come from forgiving are way bigger than what stands in your temple. You're able to pull one soul, two souls, 50 souls, a thousand souls, and God starts to use you. He starts to trust you. He starts to see that you're now a faithful, willing servant and that he can trust you with some weight. God could trust Isaac with some weight that's why, he was, that's why he told Abraham, go sacrifice Isaac. Go put what you love the most on the altar. Because I know, little do you know, but I know that your son is not going to run. I know the character that I've put in him before you even ever knew you were going to have a son. I knew the faithfulness that he has within you because you have the spirit of God. You are my friend. When you walk with God, you have a different pep about your step. There's a different glow about your life. There is a different glow about your life when you walk with God. When you understand that it's not you doing the work. And you step back and you don't take offense to what is said about you, what is said to you, to others behind your back, whatever happens. They hated him first, so they're going to hate you. The fact that you're sitting in this seat, they're going to come 10 times harder. It might be on your college campus. It might be in your job. Don't take offense. It's because of Jesus. Two years ago, tell another transparent testimony. 
when it was my freshman year, three years ago, I was the same. When I was smoking weed, my mom wasn't calling me. And it, not, it wasn't because she wasn't loving me, but my mom wouldn't call me. I wouldn't receive any phone calls from any family member checking up on me. And I was like, why, like, why am I now, when I come to Christ my junior year, why am I getting phone calls about what I'm doing every, every five minutes? Why, why, why are people trying to distract me and saying that me going to Bible study is taking me away from basketball? Why are people calling me saying that you're now in a cult because you spend all your time at the church? It's the enemy. It's the enemy. And don't let him confuse you and pull you away from, from where you're called to. There's going to be a lot of scenarios where you go on your college campuses, where you go in your high schools, your classrooms, your workspaces, wherever you go, and you now accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you live that out boldly, where people are going to be like, dude, what you, you, you tripping. This, this is not the way of the world. This is not how we do life. Come, come, come over here. Let, let's, let's go have a drink, because I think you're tripping. Let's, let's, go, let's, go, let's go roll this joint and really, really see what the higher level of thinking is. It's the truth. It's the truth. I, I think you're, you're, you're angry. Let's go, let's go play some video games. Let's just sit over here and play video games for 12 hours and, and just, you know, just shoot the enemy on TV. We, we don't have to deal with him outside, but we can shoot him on, on, on Call of Duty on TV and just be fine with that. Like, this, this is what the world is going to tell you. Don't deal with your issues with Jesus. It's, it's just very ironic, like, that I didn't see this before. I really feel dumb, like that I was fighting my mom the whole time, but it, it wasn't her. It's the enemy. The enemy is going to use people close to you to try to draw you away from Jesus. Don't allow that to happen. When you know stuff is starting to stir up in your life, when your car is getting hit, when, you're, when your family's yelling at you, when, when things are going, what it seems like to hell, you on the right path. Yeah. You are on the right path. <laughs> you are on the right path. But lastly, I would just like to say that, and this really goes out to everyone, but specifically the college students. College is a platform that could change the whole country. I don't think many students realize it, but universities around the country probably have one of the most loudest voices anywhere. Anything that happens on a college campus, a sexual assault scandal, a sporting event, um, scholarship award money, that those things are highlighted at the front of the newspapers. Wherever you go, you always hear about colleges, universities going up, down, left and right, whatever happens to them. These things are, are highlighted. And I, I just wonder why. I ask God, like, God, why is this age group from high school to college 
to young adults, like, why, why is this so, so powerful? And God was just telling me today, as we were worshiping, this is where it all starts. The generations that are going to come start from you. We are the Abrahams. We are the Isaacs. And we have a purpose in this life, being on Xavier's campus, being on Tulane's campus, Loyola, wherever you are, not even just on campuses, wherever you may stand, Jesus has a purpose for you to shine bright, to be unapologetically afraid to share the good news. That doesn't mean be weird and hold up picket signs saying we got good news, you know, but (laughs) your calling is to be in relationship. Most importantly, in relationship with Jesus, but also in relationship with others. Hand in hand, walking this out together. As you read in the Bible, about putting on your breastplate, your helmet, your shoes of peace, your belt of truth, and holding on to the sword that is your word. If you really dive into it, those are all front pieces to protect your body. Because Jesus doesn't want you looking to the left or the right or behind you. Because that's what other believers are to stand around you with the spirit of God to protect you. You're supposed to stand two feet front, look that enemy dead in his eye, and say, get out the way. Mountain, move. Who are you? Enemy, move. Who are you? I'm a child of God. I have a purpose to walk this path. I'm not moving. I'm not dodging. I'm not flinching because of whatever you say but I'm going to walk boldly, hand in hand with my believers, back to back with my brothers and sisters, and we are coming for you. And we're not going to stop until we change this whole world. And along this path, You may walk into your cousin. You may walk into your boss. You may walk into a teacher that the enemy is going to try to use to place right in front of you. And he's going to laugh and think he's got you. You're going to cut your cousin down? You're going to beat up your coworker? Nah. That's when you have the opportunity to use that light, to look them in the eye and say there is a better way. There is more to life than this. And as you get in relationship with them and as you walk hand in hand with them, sometimes even getting down on their level and pulling them up out of their muck and mire into marvelous light, they'll see and rejoice. And as we continue to do this, we believe her after believer, soul 
after soul, thousands, ten thousands, will start to walk with you until we change this whole world. Jesus' will will not stop. It's not stopping for me. It's not stopping for you. It's not stopping for anybody. Get on the boat. It's time to get moving. There's an urgency. There's a quickening happening. Jesus is coming. And I, I know they've been saying this since. <laughs> they've been saying this since they got the Holy Spirit and Acts. Jesus is coming. But, but truly, <laughs> but truly, open your eyes. And not the eyes you're looking through, your spiritual eyes. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Yes, he is. Truly. So let's be aware. Let's stand up together and not walk in cycles anymore. You know, I, lo I love the artist Jonathan Reynolds. And I've been having that song, Cycles On. Huh? That's what I said. Jonathan Mac Reynolds, sorry. Cycles, that song cycles on for a while. I'm like, God, I've been waiting for you to do something big in my life, you know? I feel like it's just been attack after attack after attack. It's like I get up, I breathe a little bit, and I'm pulled right back down. Attack after attack after attack. It's like, when, when is it going to stop? He was like, when are you going to stop turning around in a circle? There's <laughs> a point in life where we have to grow up. Happy birthday, but it's not about our age. It's about the spiritual maturity. The maturity to make the better decision, the Jesus decision. What he told us to do, how he told us to respond. And that all starts with forgiveness. We've got to forgive. We've got to love. And we must understand that our brother is not our enemy. Our sister is not our enemy. Everybody stand, please. easy in this moment.